All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Genesis. Now, the last time we were here in chapter 41, we left off with Joseph having been in prison for some time because of the accusation of Potiphar's wife, the false accusation of rape. While he was there, he uh, had a chance encounter with the cupbearer and the baker of the king. He interpreted their dreams. His interpretation came true. And Joseph told the cupbearer, since the cupbearer was the one to be restored back to his service to the Pharaoh, he told him to remember him. But the cupbearer, of course, as we talked about it in previous videos, by divine design, the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. And so it was a full two years until we move basically now directly into chapter 41 into where God gave Pharaoh two dreams. And in these two dreams, there was a dream and both of the dreams related to the same thing with a fat cow coming, fat cow by the Nile, seven of them. All of a sudden, the seven fat cows being eaten up by the seven skinny cows. And then you have the plump ears growing on one stalk. And all of a sudden, another uh, seven plump ears being eating up those plump ears on that same stalk. And basically, the Pharaoh, in having this dream, he sought his magicians to interpret the dream and no one was found to interpret the dream. And so the cupbearer, again, by God's divine design, the cupbearer remembered that it was Joseph who interpreted the dream and told the Pharaoh that there was a man, a Hebrew, who can interpret the dream. The Pharaoh sent for Joseph to interpret the dream. He rehearsed the dream to Joseph. Joseph gave him the interpretation that there was, this was an indication from God. God was telling Pharaoh what he would do. He would give him seven years of magnificent abundant, but immediately following those seven years of magnificent abundant will be seven years of magnificent famine, famine to such a degree, to such a degree that the years of abundance would be forgotten about. And then Joseph, after interpreting the Pharaoh's dream, he went even further to advise Pharaoh on what he should do to soften that blow to Egypt. And that is how he should set a man. This is what Joseph advised, that the Pharaoh should set a man over Egypt to take 20 percent of all of the grain during the good years, set these grain uh, 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 granaries in each city where the fields are, set them in each city so that when the seven years of famine should come, Egypt would be able to outlast the famine. The Pharaoh was so impressed by Joseph's both interpretation and his counsel that he was moved to set Joseph not just simply over the endeavor itself, but over the entire land of Egypt, making Joseph, or should I say, putting Joseph in authority second only to the Pharaoh. And so therefore Joseph was robed in royal garments and given great authority, as we just said, second only to the Pharaoh in all the land of Egypt, as the years of abundance had did well, had just like Joseph thought it said it would, he stored the grains and then the years of abundance went away after seven years. And now we move into the seven years of famine. And so the last thing we saw in chapter 41 was that the famine had gripped Egypt, just like Joseph said it would, 
to such a degree that the people began to cry out to Pharaoh to help them. And Pharaoh, once again, proven faithful to what he had already done, that is setting things in the hand of Joseph. He told the people, go to Joseph and whatever Joseph said for you, says for you to do, you do that. And therefore we see Joseph administering during the good years. And now he's also administering over Egypt during the years of famine. The last thing it left off was talking about the girth of the famine. The famine was not only in the land of Egypt, but the famine was in the out, outskirts of the land, the nation and city states outside of the land of Egypt as well, namely the land of Canaan. And who was in the land of Canaan? Jacob and his sons and their tribes. And this is what we're doing as we are working our way through Genesis we are seeing once again, God orchestrating the move of Jacob's tribal family into the land of Egypt to be separate from the Canaanites in the land of Canaan so that they could grow into a nation and fulfill their purposes of God, be isolated from so much of the idolatry that is in the land of Canaan. So now that sets us ready for chapter 42, as we now get ready to move from the idea of Jacob's family in the land of Canaan and Jacob's family being placed in the land of Egypt, but not quite yet though, the scene first has to be set. All right, so now let's get started with chapter 42. Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt and Jacob said to his sons, why are you staring at one another? He said, behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. Then 10 brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers. For he said, I'm afraid that harm may befall him. So the sons of Israel came to buy grain among those who were coming for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. And verse number five sets the scene for us exactly. The famine was not only gripping Egypt, but the family was also gripping the land of Canaan. And so therefore Jacob as the head of the tribal family, Jacob says to his sons, why are you sitting around here looking at one another? Go and buy land, go and buy grain, because I've heard that there is grain, grain of plenty in the land of Egypt. And so he prepares his 10 sons to go down there to buy grain from Egypt. But notice I said 10. Remember, he has 11 sons left. When I say 11 sons left, it's because they all believe that Joseph well, at least Jacob believes Joseph is dead. Remember that story that his sons gave him when they sent his robe back torn with the goat's blood on it. So Jacob believes that his son Joseph is dead, but the other brothers, but, but they don't know exactly what has become of Joseph. They just simply remember that they sold him to Ishmaelite traders. But the thing that is important to see here in this section is, notice it said that Jacob was he refused to send Benjamin down there with his other brothers, lest something would befall of Benjamin as well. Now, this lets us see, okay, Benjamin, let's identify him again. Benjamin is Joseph's uh, brother. They have the same mother 
Rachel. And remember, it was Rachel who was Jacob's favorite wife. And so Benjamin is now kind of like taking the place of Joseph, if you'll let me say that in this sense. But the point is, he did not want to send Benjamin down there because, as we see here, there clearly is a suspicion in the mind of Jacob about that story about what happened to Joseph. What it, he, I, he's sensing something is not quite right with that story. And so he doesn't want to lose his second son from his favorite wife, Rachel. So he refuses to send Benjamin because he senses something is not right about that story that those boys told. So now let's go. Verse number six. Now, Joseph was the ruler over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. But Joseph had recognized his brothers although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had, which he had about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. Then they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Yet he said to them, no, but you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. But they said, your servants are 12 brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no longer alive. Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you will be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you that he may go get your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. All right. <laughs> so now is the great meeting with Joseph once again. And the whole point is the brothers are now going down into Egypt to buy the grain. They meet this man who is the governor over all of Egypt. And remember, remember that Joseph was the second uh, most authoritative person in Egypt, only underneath the Pharaoh. So they go to meet this one who is responsible for the selling of the grain. And immediately Joseph recognizes his brothers but his brothers don't recognize him. And the scripture says Joseph disguised himself along with all of that makeup and garb that the Egyptian rulers and men of great authority would wear. So they didn't recognize Joseph. He recognized them, somewhat disguised himself, and he began to speak very harshly to them and that he did not want them to recognize him. Now, this was all a part of Joseph's test in two things that we're going to see in this test. We're going to see the testing to test the character of his brothers, to see whether or not his brothers indeed 
have changed. Okay. So Joseph is not being unduly harsh against them, but he is trying to discover certain things about them himself. And the only way to truly discover it is so that he himself would be remain hidden to his brothers. So one thing he wants to discover about the character of his brothers, have you changed? Remember it was these brothers who sold J at first. They weren't, they wanted to kill him. And then they ended up selling him as a slave to Ishmaelite trail traders. So have they changed? That's number one. And two, what we're going to see in this so-called testing is Joseph understands. Remember, he understands his own dream about the famine that's to hit the land and how long the famine would last and how that the famine would cause such great devastation. Clearly, it is in the land of Canaan as well as in the land of Egypt. So he realizes his father's household will probably not survive this. So he is also in this testing using doing these things to bring that is to, 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 to work in a way that's unrealized by the brothers in a sense, initially that is to get them into the land of Egypt where Joseph can provide for them during this famine. But anyway, back to the commentary on the text. And so as they're there and asking Joseph uh, for food, seeking to buy food, Joseph accuses them of being spies. And they say to Joseph, we, as they identify themselves, we are not spies. We are all the sons of one man, 12, 12 of us, but one is no more. Now the one who is no more, of course, is Joseph, but they, what they don't realize is that they are actually speaking to Joseph. And another thing, when they come in to speak to Joseph, they have to respect him as the great ruler for which he is. And so therefore notice the first thing they did. They came and bowed down to Joseph. Notice this begins the fulfillment of the dream that Joseph had. Remember the dream that made them so angry. Remember the nickname that they gave Joseph behold this dreamer, the dreamer. Okay. And what was the dream? Joseph said, I saw your sheaves bowing down to my sheaf. I saw you guys as the 12, as the 11 stars doing obeisance, bowing down to me. And so notice we see a fulfillment of these things, a fulfillment uh, being done even as the brothers are in total ignorance of it. But Joseph is well aware of what's going on. But nevertheless, he accuses them of being spies. And look at what they said. They said, we are not spies in, in verse number 11. We are honest men. Now, actually what they said was, they put emphasis on that. We are not spies. We, we are honest men. We are honest men. And so this is what Joseph is actually testing. Indeed, are you honest men? Consider what they did to Joseph. Consider how they treated their own flesh and blood, desiring to kill him, selling him as a slave and fabricating a lie to their father that he was dead. Indeed, are you honest men? No, they weren't honest men. But remember, a part of the test. Have you changed? Are you honest 
men. But anyway, and so Joseph said, no, no, you are spies. And so he keeps keeps the game going. And what he says is, I tell you what, I'm going to test indeed whether or not you are truly truthful about what you're saying, coming here simply to buy bread and not spy out the undefended parts of the lands so that you guys from wherever you are can attack. That's what Joseph is trying to pretend that, that they're doing. But he knows that they're there to buy bread. But he plays the game. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to take one of your brothers. And you and, and what you do is you go and, we, and you bring your brother back here, that brother that you said is still with your father. And by this, I will know that you are honest men. And remember, the brother that they left behind was Benjamin. This was Joseph's brother, his full brother. They have the same father and mother. You got to know that. Rachel is the mother of both Joseph and Benjamin. And no doubt in this test, it also would soothe Joseph's heart to see his own brother again after so many years. Remember, when Joseph came into Egypt, he was 17. When Joseph came before Pharaoh, he was 30 years of age, 13 years. And the famine, I'm sorry, the years of abundance were, were what? Seven years. So we got 13 plus seven. It's been 20 years since Joseph has seen any of his brothers, even his brother Benjamin. And so he tests them to go and get their other brother. And by this, he would know that they were not spies. And so what he did was to give them a chance to contemplate their situation. He had them placed in jail for three days. Now, remember how that the brothers themselves had placed Joseph in a cistern. You remember the, the dry wheel of water, a cistern type jail until they sold him to the Ishmaelites. This is not so much as a turn of events that Joseph is trying to give them a one for one, but this is just going along with the testing that Joseph is doing with his brothers. Okay. Verse number 18. Now Joseph said to them on the third day, do this and live. For I fear God, if you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined in your prison. But as for the rest of you, go carry grain for the famine of your household and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words may be verified and you will not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, truly, we are guilty concerning our brother because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Reuben answered them, said, did I not tell you do not sin against the boy and you would not listen. Now comes the reckoning for his blood. They did not know, however, that Joseph understood for there was an interpreter between them. He turned away from them and wept. But when he returned to them and spoke to them, he took Simon from them and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to restore every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. And thus it was done for them. So they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed from there. As one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money and behold, it was, it was in the mouth of his sack. 
Then he said to his brothers, my money has been returned and behold, it is even in my sack and their hearts sank and they turned trembling to one another saying, what is this that God has done to us? Okay. Now there's a great part here. As Joseph seemingly moving to put the fear of God in them. So Joseph, after allowing them to stay in the prison for three days, he releases them and he, he uses the excuse because remember now in the mind of Joseph, he ultimately wants to provide for his family back in the land of Canaan. But nevertheless, he continues the ruse. And so he says, okay, I fear God. He probably said to them in trying to keep the distance in that he is some sort of an Egyptian ruler. I fear the gods, but nevertheless, he said, I fear God. So here's what you do. You leave one of your brothers. You're going to, we're going to take Simon, your brother, and we're going to send the rest of you back home to bring your brother back. And so he filled their, uh, uh, their sacks up full of grain as well. Now notice you can see the care and concern and provision that he had for his brothers, the love he had. Not only did he fill their sacks up, uh, to take back home for the family, but also he gave them provision along the way so that those 10 boys would have something to eat themselves. And then on top of that, he gave all of their money back. And the reason Joseph didn't need the money. And again, the care and concern that he had for his family. Okay. So this is what Joseph is doing. He's showing the care. But also, too, they will discover these things and whatever they're going to get from that. We'll talk about that as we go down the road. But anyway, so what happens? So he fears that sack up and all of a sudden he takes in a dramatic sense. He takes Simon from among them and he has him bound and shackled and put in prison. And the thing is this until you come back to me with your younger brother, Benjamin, I will believe that you are spies and I'm going to keep your brother, Simon. If you fail to come back to me, I will, I will come to the conclusion. Indeed, you were spies and I'm going to execute your brother. So that's the idea that Joseph is putting in the mind of his brother. Of course, Joseph is not going to execute Simon, his own brother, but this is the game that Joseph is playing again to engineer them coming back to find out the testing of their, the approval of their character. So he sends them on their way with all of these provisions. And, but along the way, while they're going and they haven't reached home yet, one of the brothers, actually opens the mouth of his sack and he discovers that the money is back in his sack and they don't understand if remember they went to, they used the idea they're using this money to pay for this grain. So they shouldn't have any money left, but they, they expect a whole lot of grain. So he opens the sack, sees the money and he's wondering where in the world did this money come from? And so they begin to say, ah, let me back up. <laughs> I need to back up because I need to touch a very important part that I skipped guys. So when they began, Joseph, Joseph told them, and I'm going back here where I'm actually back at verse number 21. 
after Joseph told him how he would keep Simon, they began to speak to one another. I'm sorry, I, I skipped that. They began to speak with one another in Hebrew. And this is what's going on. They began to speak with one another in Hebrew once to another. And they were saying, uh, they were simply saying this, God, we're now paying for what we did to our younger brother. Remember when he was in that cistern, when he was in that well and he was crying out for his life and we totally ignored him. Remember how we treated Joseph? God is now requiring of us our actions. And so in other words, he is simply saying we're paying for what we did to our brother Joseph. Now, what they didn't realize was even though Joseph was speaking to them through an interpreter, in other words, then Joseph would speak the Egyptian dialect and the inter to, to the interpreter. The interpreter would take the Egyptian that Joseph spoke and, and, and translate that to Hebrew. OK. And so Joseph was pretending that he only spoke Egyptian. And so therefore, as the brothers were talking amongst themselves, they talked in the presence of Joseph in their native language. But they had no idea it was their brother, Joseph, who knew how to speak Hebrew. And so when Joseph heard what they were saying, he was touched in his heart. And I think then he began, the realization began to dawn on him that they were changed, but it's not clear as well because they could be simply feeling sorry for themselves because of fear of divine repercussions from God for what they did to Joseph. Okay. Not that they've been changed. So it's not really clear to Joseph, but nevertheless, Joseph was so moved by this. He was so moved by this that he had to leave the room. He started crying. And once he got himself back together, he came back in the room. And that's when he had Simon shackled in front of them and sent them on their way with all of the grain and, the, and their money back in the sack. So now we're back here to when they finally get to a lodging place, a place to stop along the way on their way home. And they discover uh, the money is in the sack and it was just one of the brothers, just one of the brothers discovered the money was in the sack. Okay. At this time. And that all of a sudden they began to truly begin to be afraid, wondering that truly God must be seeking vengeance for what the brothers did to Joseph. Okay. And so that's what they were saying. What has God done to us? The time of vengeance is now. All right, let's move. Verse number 29. When they came to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, the man, the Lord of the land, spoke harshly with us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no longer alive. And the youngest is with our father today in the land of Canaan. The man, the Lord of the land, said to us, by this, I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and go. But bring your youngest brother to me that I may know that you are not spies, but honest men. But I will give your brother to you and you may trade in the land. 
Now it came about as they were emptying their sacks that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were dismayed. Their father Jacob said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simon is no more. And you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father saying, you may put my two sons to death. If I do not bring him back to you, put him in my care and I will return him to you. But Jacob said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. All right. So now the brothers have finally arrived home. And when they came home, when they got home, they simply told their father all the things that had happened to them when they were in Egypt. They told how how the man, the ruler of notice what they call Joseph again, the ruler of the land. Remember the dream thing? The ruler of the land uh, mistook them for being spies and they had to struggle to convince the ruler, that is Joseph, the ruler of the land that they were not spies. But nevertheless, the ruler insisted that they were spies and tested them by keeping Simon in prison until they returned with the younger brother. And that was the whole clinch, clinch, clincher for Joseph, as well as for the brothers and for Jacob. The identification that the younger brother, Benjamin, was still at home with the father. And so when he so when they said to him, the ruler said, we will know. I will know that you guys are not spies. Once you bring that brother back, this triggered great anguish and sorrow in Jacob because Jacob understanding he was fearful of allowing Benjamin to go down there with them. Because again, remember Benjamin, the full brother of Joseph, he, there's this clear issue that he did not trust completely what the brothers had said concerning Joseph and his so-called death. Notice what Jacob said, you have bereaved me. Now notice that he is talking to his sons and he says to his sons, you have bereaved me of Joseph and you have also bereaved me of Simon. So whether or not he is simply saying that the brothers were responsible for what happened to Joseph is kind of unclear, but what is clear is he is holding them responsible for Joseph and he is holding them responsible for what has now happened to Simon. And so what he says is this, clearly he refuses to let Benjamin go. And once again, why does he not want to let him go? Because he is the last son of his favorite wife, Rachel, the brother of Joseph. And if anything should happen to Benjamin as well, he will go down to his grave in mourning. Okay. So he re absolutely. Now Reuben, trying to, uh, uh, I don't know, make some gesture of approval in the, in the face of his father says, I tell you what, and Rubel says something that's absolutely ridiculous. He tells Jacob something to kill my two sons. Now that is absolutely ridiculous, but whatever Reuben has taken this position. If I don't bring Benjamin back, then you can kill my two sons. 
Jacob has no faith in Reuben. Remember, now it's Reuben who had slept with his own, with Jacob's concubine, with one of Jacob's wives. And this is why Reuben lost the right of the firstborn. So Jacob has no faith and no trust in Reuben whatsoever. But later on, we're going to find out he will have it in Judah, but it's not time for that yet. So he still rejects it from Reuben, Reuben's assurance to bring Benjamin back. He refuses and they remain, but also in the process while everybody is unloading their gear and unloading the grains and unloading all of their sacks from the trip, everybody begins to discover their money. Everybody has their money back. Joseph returned all the money. Remember I said why Joseph returned all the money. He doesn't want their money. Joseph doesn't need their money. Joseph is, is rich already as the second ruler and he wants to care for their family. But nevertheless, they don't know that. They don't know it's even Joseph. So they are absolutely, notice what the text said. They're dismayed. They are dumbfounded. Why in the world is our money back? And so they don't, they don't have any reason and no doubt the fear in the hearts of the brothers is simply increasing. Remember what that other brother said when he was on his lodge, on his way, stopping at the lodge and he discovered his money. Remember what he said? What has God done to us? Imagine what's in the mind of those other nine brothers. Indeed, what has God done to us? What they don't realize what God is doing to them is not only providing for them, but God is also keeping the purpose that he has set for them. All right, thanks for joining me on that one, guys. Join us next time as we move into chapter 43, as Jacob and his family try to ride out the family, I try to ride out the famine without going back to the land of Egypt because they know in order to go back, you must bring Benjamin. All right, guys, join me for chapter 43 on next time. See you then.